Hey Disney fan, have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic? Or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. And we are taking you Inside Disney. Hello. Hey, just the two of us. Yes. <laughs> I always come up with a song for the intro. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I work in radio. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Candace. I love your songs. Ah. No Jeffrey today. Very sad. Yes, mm. he's just busy making magic elsewhere. Making magic. As they say. It's true. What have yeah. you been up to this week? I know you're a fan of the Muppets, so if you want to see my chat with the Muppets, we finally put that up on Radio Disney's Instagram yes. and YouTube, so you have to see me fan- try not to fangirl over Walter. I <laughs> love your love of Walter. I'm a fangirl for your Walter fangirling. Thank you. Thank you. It was my second interview with him, and I just feel like, you know, we're just getting closer and closer every time we meet, so. Nice. <laughs> What have you been up to? AFV? What's going on? No AFV this week. Sorry. But (laughs) I have been watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares. Chef Gordon Ramsay. Every time you say... Yeah, Kitchen Nightmares, I'm like, that's me in the kitchen anytime. (laughs) Honestly, same. I am a nightmare. But you know what is not a Kitchen Nightmare? No, what? Taste of Epcot International Food and Wine Festival. Yes. And earlier when we were with Jeffrey, we all got to talk to Epcot food and beverage manager Chelsea Florig and Chef Kevin. I'm so excited for everyone to hear that chat. It's making me hungry too and thirsty. Same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so much Disney news to get to, starting with the fact that Hulu has announced its upcoming original programming lineup. By the way, Sherry, Hulu surpassed 35 million subscribers as of August 4th, which is pretty crazy so a lot of us are you know marathoning hulu but let's talk about the original shows they announced first this one i'm really excited about it's called only murders in the building and it stars steve martin martin short and our girl selena gomez so this is a comedy series co-written by steve martin it's about three strangers who share an obsession with true crime and suddenly find themselves wrapped up in one so i'm (laughs) so excited about this sherry i feel like this is something we would all watch together absolutely (laughs) (laughs) uh also announced the girl from plainville starring elle fanning monsterland which is based on a collection of people's encounters with mermaids fallen angels and other strange beasts that debuts Friday, October 2nd. So very interesting one there. Hulu's number one most watched drama, Love, Victor. That's going to be back for a 10 episode second season. Woo-hoo. And then a couple of original documentaries you should know about. I am Greta. That's all about Greta Thunberg. She's the young activist we've been hearing about over the last year. Very passionate about climate change. That one's going to debut Friday, November 13th. And Sherry, I'm going to throw it to you for all of the food. Absolutely. (laughs) Back to the food. So the next thing you eat is also coming to Hulu. It's a six-part docuseries exploring how changes in the world affect people's fundamental relationship to food. Also, Taste the Nation, which is Padma Lakshmi's series where we're exploring the rich and diverse food culture of immigrant groups which have shaped the American food that we have today. Season one of this received a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes rating, so it's Whoa. it's literally the perfect show. <laughs> I need to watch this tonight. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and then we have Eater's Guide to the World. Maya Rudolph is narrating. 
I love her. She is so hilarious. Me too. <laughs> and in the series, she is exploring some of the most unexpected places in the world to score an epic meal. That'll be on Wednesday, November 11th. And finally, what I am possibly most excited for, <laughs> Animaniacs is coming back. Yes! 13 new episodes of the legendary cartoon series starring Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. That'll debut Friday, November 20th, which is, get this, 22 years after its final episode. No Insane. way. And Steven Spielberg is coming back as executive producer. And of course, Pinky and the Brain are also coming back <laughs> in their quest to dominate the world. Love that. So check that out. 13 more episodes are also set for 2021. Sweet. Yes. And in more nostalgia news, all of my fellow early 2000s Disney Channel kids, listen up. <laughs> the Proud Family cast and creative team reunited virtually for the NAACP's Arts, Culture, and Entertainment Festival. So it's basically 30 minutes of pure nostalgia. It's all on YouTube. You can catch the creator, executive producers, and the cast, including Kyla Pratt, who is Penny Proud. Cedric the Entertainer, a.k.a. Uncle Bobby, my favorite, Joe Marie Payton, Sugar Mama, <laughs> and more. And they are discussing the cultural impact of the groundbreaking series, talking a little bit more about behind the scenes. And something fun I learned from the panel, the iconic theme song, which is sung by Solange and Destiny's Child. What? Yes. First of all, that is a fact that is not shared enough. Sorry, but I had to process that for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good song. And so good. Get this, the backup person to sing the theme song was apparently Alicia Keys. Come on. Not a bad backup. No. So the panel was moderated by Proud Family super fan Kiki Palmer, who had a surprise announcement. She's actually going to be joining the cast when the series returns to Disney Plus as the Proud Family Louder and Prouder. Kiki is going to voice Maya Leibowitz Jenkins, who is a 14-year-old activist who is Penny's friend. The Proud Family, which, by the way, premiered 18 years ago on the Disney Channel, is all streaming currently on Disney Plus. Yes. Woo! Take a whole weekend and... Knock yeah. that out. Yeah. All right. If you haven't seen it, Disney Plus has released the official trailer for Phineas and Ferb, the movie, Candace Against the Universe. So exciting. So in this Yay. all new animated adventure, stepbrothers Phineas and Ferb set out across the galaxy to rescue older sister, of course, Candace, who's been abducted by aliens and <laughs> has actually found Utopia in a far off planet free from pesky little brothers. So the show creators, Dan Povenmeyer and Jeff Swampy Marsh are back. They're voicing their characters again. Uh, voice talent, Ashley Tisdale, she's back. Caroline Ray, Allison Stoner, Vincent Martella, and more. And there's also some new cast members we should mention. Mm. Ali Wong, Wayne Brady, Diedrich Bader, and Thomas Middleditch. The film's going to premiere exclusively on Disney Plus Friday, August 28th. And I'm going to be watching that one for sure. Nice. Not just because your name is in it or anything. Right? I know. Our listeners still think I'm Candace from Phineas and Ferb, and I'm like, yes, I am. 
Well, in Parks News, Epcot's main entrance fountain design has been revealed. If you didn't catch it, Imagineer Zach Ridley posted a photo on Instagram that gives fans a first look at the pylons that were installed at the entrance of Epcot. It's all part of a reimagining of the fountain that has anchored the front of the park since it opened in 1982. And I gotta say, it is super cool looking, the way it reflects all the lights, and it kind of looks like it's made out of ice, but I am certain it's not. (laughs) It looks like the Winter Olympic Games, like something like (laughs) so fabulous that it can only come around every four years. (laughs) That is so true. Well, a finished look for the fountain will be completed later this year, so we gotta keep our eyes peeled. Yeah, definitely going to be taking some selfies in front of that eventually. Mm -hmm. Well, pre-registration is now available for the new mobile game, Disney Wonderful Worlds. Listen to this. You actually get to build your own version of a Disney park. This is so cool. So basically, you own a magical Disney park with a new mobile puzzle game. And with the help of Minnie Mouse, Mickey, and friends, you can decorate classic Disney parks attractions relive iconic Disney parks moments and collect those fan favorite Disney characters. So if you want to see the game trailer, it's up on the parks blog. Uh, Disney wonderful worlds is going to launch globally on the app store and Google play early next year. But until then Disney wonderful worlds can be followed on Facebook. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram for all the updates. And if you pre-register at DisneyWonderfulWorlds.com. You'll get a series of exclusive gifts and a unique Minnie Mouse decoration to adorn your park when it's launched. So that's so cute. cute. I need that now. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if I were to build my own version of a Disney park, it would just be churro cart after churro cart. (laughs) Riding on the churro cart? Yes, that could be an attraction. Yeah, we'll turn the churro cart into its own, like, roller coaster. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Imagineers, if you're listening. I know, I gotta call Sharita. Yes. Sharita Carter. (laughs) She can make it happen. Yeah. Well, I know I recently said on the podcast that Christmas is coming up soon, lol. (laughs) But before that is my second favorite holiday, Halloween. Yay! Woo! Good Morning America revealed an exclusive first look at Disney's Halloween Villains Collection, and it includes some pretty cool stuff like an Ursula long-sleeve pullover top, a poison apple baseball cap, a Maleficent tank top, and perhaps my favorite thing from the collection, an Oogie Boogie costume, which is basically, it's like a huge sack, which is perfect for working from home. (laughs) And eating all the candy. And eating all the candy, And storing it in the costume. Yes, you don't have to get up for snacks. It's truly a (laughs) win-win. So all these things are available August 17th on ShopDisney.com, as well as at Disney Springs at Walt Disney World Resort and the Downtown Disney District at Disneyland Resort. So cool. I'm so ready for Halloween. Same. So I feel like if Jeffrey were here, he would have grabbed dibs on talking about this story. But Star (laughs) Wars, are you ready? Vader Immortal, a Star Wars VR series is coming to PlayStation VR on August 25th. So you'll get it as a single purchase featuring all three episodes for $29.99. And you'll step inside your own Star Wars story as a smuggler operating near Mustafar, When you're pulled out of hyperspace to uncover an ancient mystery for the Sith Lord himself. The series also has a lightsaber dojo mode where you can just spend hours honing your lightsaber skills. So that sounds super fun. Mm -hmm. And by the way, Sherry, Maya Rudolph, she provides one of the voices in the VR experience. So, Wow, this is a big Maya Rudolph week. (laughs) I know, right? The announcement also included a new trailer. If you guys want to see it, just click over to StarWars.com. Cool. 
Wow, it feels like we're betraying Jeffrey by introducing five fantastic things to watch this weekend, but it's time to do five fantastic things to watch this weekend. Yay! All right, we're going to start with a new movie on Disney Plus Friday, August 14th. It's called Magic Camp. So you'll see a group of misfit campers help a down-on-his-luck magician kind of rediscover his love of magic. Uh, They're saying it's a heartwarming comedy, so maybe tears. I don't know. Lots of magic. (laughs) Looking forward to that one on Disney+. Plus. Also, Zombies 2 is streaming Friday, August 14th on Disney+. Plus. So if you haven't seen it, Addison and Zed, they're back. Of course, our favorites, Meg Donnelly, Milo Mannheim, and our former guest, Trevor Torgerman, star in the movie. So you can watch it as many times as you want. Jeffrey's niece, if you're listening, Disney+. Plus. (laughs) Well, it's not five fantastic things to watch this weekend without me bringing up something on National Geographic. Yes. (laughs) We've got the season premiere of Savage Kingdom on Friday, August 14th. In this, Charles Dance narrates the real-life drama from Mambo, which is in northern Botswana, and he's narrating some battles between warring animal clans, including lions, leopards, hyenas, oh my. (laughs) It's also going to be available to stream the next day on Hulu. Up next, pull the lever, Crunk. It's the Emperor's New Groove. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be airing on Saturday, August 15th on Freeform. Of course, it is my favorite movie about a young emperor who's transformed into a llama. There aren't a lot to choose from, but it's my fave. Yeah. We've got David Spade, Patrick Warburton, John Goodman, and of course, Eartha Kitt. So get your spinach puffs ready on it and last thing marvel's spider-man we've got a new episode on sunday august 16th airing on disney xd after spider-man's friend is turned back into the rampaging rhino by swarm spidey's forced to battle for his life in the underground monster league contest we've all been there yeah we have (laughs) and our pal yvette nicole brown is gonna guest star as head administrator yeah girl yes And as we mentioned, we did have a chance to chat with Epcot food and beverage manager Chelsea Florig and Chef Kevin when Jeffrey was with us. So check this out. Well, anyone who has ever listened to this podcast knows that I am obsessed with good food, especially good Disney food. I mean, where do I even begin? (laughs) When Walt Disney World reopened last month, they kicked off a taste of Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, and I have been drooling over all the photos on Instagram ever since. So I'm happy we have with us today Epcot Food and Beverage Project Manager, Chelsea Florig and Chef Kevin. Welcome to the show. I thank you for having us. Hi, thanks for having us. Chelsea, your title sounds very official. Can you tell us a little bit about what it means and what you do when it comes to the Food and Wine Festival? Sure. So I am the Food and Beverage Project Manager for Epcot Theme Park here at Walt Disney World Resort. And... My job is very unique and very fun. I get to work hand in hand with great partners like Chef Kevin to create our food and wine festival concepts, our food and beverage concepts overall, how we make that translate into a great guest experience. You know, I have a wonderful team to help get this festival up and going and put out there for our guests. Well, Chef Kevin, I think it's kind of obvious what you do, but where in the park can we typically find you cooking? So I had a team that's based actually behind the Germany Pavilion in our festival kitchen. 
But on a day-to-day basis, you'll see most of our chef team kind of roaming the promenade, checking in in the marketplaces, checking on the food that's going out to our guests. So we're kind of nomad chefs because we're pretty much all over the place on any given day. Was there a restaurant that you started in at Walt Disney World or an area that you really honed your skills? So I started with the company about 14 years ago and started as a line cook at Chico over at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Oh, and love Chico. <laughs> I've been in several locations since. I, I was at the Flying Fish for several years. When I became a sous chef for the first time, I actually went down to Vero Beach So I was at the Disney's Vero Beach Resort for several years as well. And then when I came back to the company or came back to Orlando, I spent uh, about four years at the California Grill before coming over to Epcot. And I was at Epcot for a few years before I became the uh, chef at La Cellier Steakhouse. And I was there for about two and a half years prior to taking on the festival role, which I started last November. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Well, with the park closed for several months, obviously it required some reimagining for the annual Food and Wine Festival, and we love that there are still elements of the Flower and Garden Festival there. So can you talk about developing a hybrid event like this and how that influenced what the menu would look like? Yeah, I think it was a nice blend of trying to use a festival that we didn't really get too far into. If you remember, we really were only about two weeks into Flower and Garden prior to the closure. And we had a lot of really good content for that festival, and we were very proud of what we had done. Heading into this time of year, obviously, we transitioned from Flower and Garden into Food and Wine. And Food and Wine is obviously our biggest festival. So trying to keep some elements from Flower and Garden and then transitioning into Food and Wine was very important. So we kind of looked at, you know, marketplaces that have done well in the past, what have been guest favorites, Um, And some of the same with the Flower and Garden Festival, some of those items that have been very popular for the two weeks that we were running. And we tried to develop kind of a a hybrid between the two that we thought guests would enjoy that if they didn't get to Flower and Garden in the first two weeks, uh, they could still see a little bit of that, but then still enjoy food and wine like they have in the past. Love that. For Flower and Garden, uh, one of our most popular uh, marketplaces is the Citrus Blossom. Uh, And with that particular marketplace, we decided to bring back most of the content that was in it for Flower and Garden, including Orange Bird, who has been very popular with our guests. So with that marketplace, we brought back the grilled lobster tail with the uh, lemon emulsion and the citrus fried chicken with orange aioli and a little citrus blend salad on the top. One of the marketplaces we were really excited about for Flower and Garden that we just didn't get enough time to really kind of get out there was Magnolia Terrace. If you were able to attend Flower and Garden, you may have noticed that one that was back by the America Pavilion. That was kind of our Southern seafood or Southern style kiosk that we were looking at. And we had a variety of options, including a Southern seafood boil, boudin sausage from New Orleans, and a a pecan praline from that location as well. What we ended up doing was keeping the seafood boil from Flower and Garden and then adding it to our hops and barley marketplace for food and wine, along with the lobster roll, which has been a fan favorite in the past. So that was kind of a hybrid of two uh, marketplaces, one from Flower and Garden and one from food and wine. 
And then we looked at some other extremely popular food and wine concepts that we've had, like Brazil, and brought Brazil back, Canada with the filet and the cheese soup. So those were some of the ones that we knew were going to make a return for food and wine when we decided to open Taste of Food and Wine for this year. All right. So for both of you, uh, and and they may have just been a couple of things Chef Kevin mentioned, but if you had to pick a few must-sees and must-tries, what would they be? So for me, one of our new offerings this year is our World Showplace Pavilion. It's located between Canada and UK, and it's not often a pavilion we get to utilize in this way. So inside, we currently have four food and wine marketplaces. And one of them is specifically for macaroni and cheese. <laughs> and for me, I would agree. I think the uh, World Showplace area is fantastic for our guests this year. Several marketplaces, like Chelsea mentioned, uh, one of the guest favorites so far has been the Desserts and Champagne Marketplace, where we're featuring our liquid nitrogen cake pops. So Whoa. we take chocolate cake, dip them in some ganache, and we can serve them to you plain or topped with M&Ms or Twix bars. And we plunge them into the liquid nitrogen to get a nice kind of hard shell on the exterior. So you have something nice and cold to kind of bite into as you're walking around the promenade. And I also think for me in that location, the Festival Favorites Marketplace, bringing back some items from years past has also been very popular. The uh, kielbasa and pierogies from Poland from several years ago. But my favorite item has been the Fisherman's Shepherd's Pie from Ireland. Uh, We've brought that one back as well, and we've loaded it full of scallops, shrimp, and lobster meat. And it's just a great dish if you like seafood and you like something a little hearty. Uh, it's one of my favorites from years past, and I'm glad to see it back. Yes, you're speaking my language. Desserts and scallops. I'm so there. <laughs> so there. Kevin, how often do you actually make the food items you're preparing? Are these part of your usual menu, or are these special for the event? These are pretty much tailored for each event. So as we go through and change from festival to festival, the menus change, and we adjust our production and what we're producing on a regular basis. For these particular items, you know, we go through quite a bit. So we're we're generally producing these items pretty much on a daily basis in our production kitchens. Wow. Mm. So do you get to taste everything being made for the festival? And if so, do you need help just asking for a friend? (laughs) That's one of the perks of our job. (laughs) (laughs) I do taste quite a bit, but luckily it's offset by all the walking around the uh, World Showcase that I do as well. So that's kind of a nice balance between eating and walking. Nice. <laughs> I think Sherry's volunteering to be an official taste tester for any upcoming festival plans you may have. <laughs> Absolutely. So when it comes to putting this festival together, what was the process like? Obviously, we, we know a lot of the festivals you're planning years out. What was the process like for this? What came first? Food, theme, concept? How did this all come together? It sounds like it must have come together quickly and with an incredibly smart team, but I'm just throwing that out there. It did come together very quickly. I think Kevin alluded to this earlier. You know, we were unfortunately not able to have Flower and Garden for its entire run as planned, but we really wanted to highlight that and celebrate the spring season, the flower and garden aspects that we needed to cut short. And we wanted to keep some of that in 
to this festival as we looked at it as we, and started planning. And to Kevin's point, we really wanted to showcase, you know, a few unique things we've done for Flower and Garden that were new this year. Some of our fan favorites we wanted to bring back. We know that Orange Bird has a following. We wanted to get him out there. So not only is he available at our Citrus Blossom as with our souvenir sipper cup, we also incorporated some of that Orange Bird merchandise. So that's still available during Taste of Food and Wine as well. We really wanted to give the guests what they're looking for, what they love about Flower and Garden, and incorporate into that taste of food and wine and really showcase some of those guest favorites. You know, we know everyone loves Canada. That's a great marketplace for us uh, to stand up. So we really wanted to truly make it a hybrid and unique offering and share, you know, some of our favorites as well to get the guests to be able to experience. And we know Remy's Ratatouille Hide and Squeak scavenger hunt is back. So for those who aren't familiar, can you talk a little bit about that too? Of course, it's Remy's Ratatouille's Hide and Squeak scavenger hunt has returned. So we typically do a scavenger hunt for each of our festivals. He is our food and wine festival scavenger hunt. And you purchase a map at one of our merchandise locations and then scour the park for little statuettes of Remy, who is hiding with different ingredients throughout all of World Showcase. And so once you have found him across the park, you can return to one of the merchandise locations and redeem it for a prize. So super fun, really fun way to experience the park and maybe look at different things you may not have noticed were around previously. Mm. Wow. Well, Remy plus food plus wine plus Epcot. This is the event of my dreams. And prizes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, having worked on the Food and Wine Festival, you both must have a tip or two for fans that are visiting. So what insider tips would you give to listeners? Well, I think for me, it's just take the time to really enjoy the festival, especially this year. You know, with the circumstances that we're in, now's a great time to really come and you can spend some time. You don't have to feel necessarily as rushed to go through everything, you know, so there's a lot of food to try and you can really spend some time, you know, actually savoring it instead of trying to fight some of the larger crowds we've had in the past. So I definitely think that's kind of a nice change about this festival, at least right now uh, for our guests is the feedback we've been getting has been very positive in that they've enjoyed kind of the slowed down pace of this festival as compared to maybe years past. One of my favorite things about all of our festivals and food and wine in particular is that it's designed to be a tasting festival. So you really get a wonderful opportunity to try foods you may never have had before. I love to watch guests have something for the first time or try something that they weren't sure what it was or if they liked it. And really, this is a perfect opportunity. We have over 20 marketplaces out. So as you stroll along, you're able to try something from Africa. You're able to try something from Brazil. And it just gives you that opportunity to, you know, taste new things Mm, my tip would be wear stretchy pants (laughs) (laughs) i know this from personal experience (laughs) we were all so happy when walt disney world resort opened was there something each of you had to experience first when it reopened an attraction you had to ride a restaurant to visit 
I will tell you personally, when we reopened, one of the first things that I did was go back to La Cellier and have dinner. I hadn't been able to have a nice, a really nice meal out during the closure and during the quarantine period. So to be able to go back to one of the places that I was the chef at at one point and to sit down and have a really nice meal was, was fantastic. Love that. I finally rode Flights of Passage at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Yay! So good. I have to know, since you both are foodies, obviously, outside of the festival, what's your favorite Disney park snack? So here at Epcot, we just opened, prior to the closure, our Regal Eagle Smokehouse in our America Pavilion, and that is quickly becoming my favorite go-to Yeah, for me, my favorite Disney snack, I mean, it's probably 100% a Mickey ice cream bar. Mm -hmm. Yay! (laughs) Well, Chelsea and Chef Kevin, it has been such a treat talking to you both. We end every interview by asking our guests, what is your favorite Disney memory? You know, I think the one I always kind of tell, and and not many people know this probably other than my family, was the first time I ever came to Walt Disney World, I was probably four years old. And that was back in like 1977 or 78, something like that. And my dad took me on Space Mountain. And I had really wanted to go on the, I forget, the the rocket ships that go up and down. But my dad took me on Space Mountain by mistake. (laughs) I got off it and I was terrified and I didn't ride it for another 15 years from that <laughs> moment on. But I, it's kind of one of my favorite memories just because we talk, I talk about it with my family all the time. That's amazing. <laughs> Quite different attractions. That for me was Snow White's Scary Adventure, which I was a very easily traumatized child. And I went on that when I, my first time at Walt Disney World when I was seven was so scared by the witch that I don't think I, I didn't go on that attraction again for many, many years. So <laughs> I wish I could say it was as you know cool an attraction as Space Mountain, but there you go. <laughs> it's cool in, it. in its own way. I think my f- favorite memory, I grew up on the West Coast, so g- my family and I have always visited Disneyland and know that park really well. And my parents and my sister had not as often visited Disney World. So once I moved here and started working for the company, I think the first time they came and I kind of got to play tour guide and show off everything that Walt Disney World had to offer. And then especially now when every when my family comes to visit and we go to Epcot and I get to show off my park and, you know, what I'm proud of here, those really just, you know, pull at my heartstrings of like, look at what, what we're doing and and how awesome it is to be a part of it. Well, thank you both so much. We are keeping our fingers crossed that we're going to be able to make it out there to, uh, to have a taste of the taste. It sounds unbelievable. And congratulations on the reopening, on the festival. Just so excited for you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Well, I am hungry. Same. I might be eating right now. (laughs) Same. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with Jeffrey and more Disney news (laughs) and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.
Thank you.